You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for thesportsdaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, I got a fun question for you this week. Packers Mount Rushmore. I want to hear your Mount Rushmore. So that would be out of the entirety of the Packers 100 and what, three now years, 102, 103, I forget what it is now, um, of franchise history, pick four. Guys, one head coach, one general manager, one quarterback, and one non-quarterback player of your choice, all-time greats. Who deserves to be on the Packers' Mount Rushmore? We're going to start off with head coach. Can't go with anyone but St. Vincent. Uh, Vince Lombardi, to me, (laughs) the greatest coach of all time. Uh, A Brooklyn guy, no less. Uh, Got to go with uh, Vince Lombardi with five championships in seven years. Yeah, absolutely unbeatable. And I'm definitely going to agree it's got to be Vince. But a close second would be probably for me, Mike Holmgren. Or actually, I would put Curly Lambeau at number two just because of how much he contributed to building the team from the ground up. Definitely the Packers are not what they are today and maybe not even in existence anymore without Vince Lombardi, but everything that you could say there would, would also be so much more true of Curly Lambeau. Yeah. And he still won more games and more championships than any other coach in Packers history. So yeah, Curly would have to be a close second. Who would be your GM? I'm going to go with Ron Wolf who really turned this franchise around. I remember the eighties only too well and how, low this franchise had sunk after the 70s and 80s. Ron Wolf came in, got this team turned around, hired Mike Holmgren, acquired Brett Favre, acquired Reggie White. Uh, To me, it's got to be Ron Wolf. Man, that's a hard one to argue with. And definitely uh, Ron Wolf, to me, is a guy that I have, I've always just admired his character and his creativity. Just the, the dogged, uh, persistence with which he improved the Packers roster day in and day out, always churning the bottom of the roster and building a championship team out of basically what is today's Detroit Lions. Uh-huh. Uh, and and bringing in Brett Favre, bringing in Mike Holmgren. And, you know, that was a big um, leap of faith on the part of um, Bob Harlan to bring in Ron Wolf and give him the amount of power that he did because Ron Wolf basically said, look, I'm not coming to green Bay unless I have ultimate authority here. So if you disagree with one of my decisions, you can fire me, but I don't want you to undercut me. And, and Bob absolutely was okay with that. And he said, look, I trust you. This is, this is uh, the way we're going to do it. This is how we're going to turn the team around. And, and 
Ron Wolf absolutely delivered in spades. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the team hasn't looked back since he came on board in 1992. They had their first winning season in a while. And then uh, from there made the playoffs for five, six straight years and won their Super Bowl, went to another. Uh, and they've been good ever since, really, for the most part. So, uh, yeah, Ron Wolf to me, has got to be the GM. Definitely. Uh, we're, we're a very blessed franchise. So uh, so here's where we're going to get a little bit more options here to diverge. And that would be quarterback. I'm going with the current guy. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, tough one. Bart Starr, I think you could make a great case for. Brett Favre, I think you can make a great case for. But to me, Rodgers, the fact that he does not turn the ball over uh, puts him ahead of Favre and just his numbers. Yeah, it's a different era and it's very hard to compare quarterbacks from different eras, but it's hard for me to see somebody who played the game as efficiently and as effectively for as long as Aaron Rodgers has. Bart Starr is a name that's worthy of being included here because of what he did to cement the legacy of the Packers as title town. We've clearly had different eras, you know, back in the Curly Lambeau days, we won a lot of titles and then you had the revival with Lombardi and Starr and how many championships did they win? Uh, Five in seven years. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I got to look ahead to Brett Favre. Brett Favre clearly is the uniting figure that lifted and elevated the Packers out of the just black pit that they had been in for so long and and brought energy and fun back to the Packers. I think much of you know the Packers' current fan base is because of Brett Favre. Aaron Rodgers has played at a higher level, but I would argue that Brett Favre is more important to the overall history of the franchise. I think they're in a better place today because of Brett Favre than they are because of Aaron Rodgers, even though Brett Favre has not been here for, for a, a long time now already. Yeah. Well, that's solid argument. And it's a very, it's very tough to choose between those three, really. I mean, uh, it is, yeah. you know, three, three hall of famers, two are already in one almost, you know, is guaranteed barring guaranteed. some major scandal. Uh, he's, he's going to be in. So uh, yeah, it, it, those, it's an embarrassment of riches. I think the scandal would have to the the scandal would have to be that he's like a cyborg and and just does not qualify. <laughs> just a, <laughs> just about you know uh, yeah yeah so uh, you can't go wrong with any one of those three quite honestly. All right, last one we get to pick a non quarterback player because obviously if we could include quarterbacks, I think that I would include Aaron Rodgers and you probably would include Favre or Star. So who you got? This I is, think I know who you're going to pick. This is but, a tough I, one. You know, I, I there are so many great players throughout the history of the Packers who you could pick. But to me, if you're going for a Mount Rushmore, you just don't want greatness. You want somebody who transformed the game. And it comes down to two finalists for me. Um, Reggie White, the first big free agent who really changed the way that the league perceives the Green Bay Packers who proved that free agency would work even in a small city like Green Bay, uh, who changed the, the the way that uh, race is perceived in Green Bay. It was an issue before he signed. It has not been since he signed, uh, at least not in the same way. 
that would be my second choice. But to me, if you're going by the greatest single player, I think, in franchise history, I, I think I have to go Don Hudson. Oh, my gosh. Those are the two players that I was thinking about as well. Yeah. Great mind think alike. I, I really thought you were going to take Reggie, and so I was going to take Don Hudson. Okay. Okay. I mean, t- guy invented the pass pattern. He, he was just <laughs> unbelievably ahead of his time. Played both ways, as did all players back then. The Packers won, I believe it was three uh, NFL championships while he was with yeah. the team. Transformed the passing game, not just for the Packers, but really for the league. Those would be the two, and I, I just give a slight edge to Don Hudson because I just I just think he, uh, he transformed things so much in the league, even though, of course, I never did see him play. I'm not that old, but, uh, you know. What? <laughs> Dude, Hudson was a time traveler. You look at his stats. Those are modern NFL wide receiver stats. The The guy... He was an alien back then. That is not what wide receivers were like. Yeah. He was so far ahead of his time. Nine times first team All-Pro, four-time NFL All-Star, two-time NFL MVP. I mean, come on. How many wide receivers win the MVP twice? Not not too many. No, and, and there were seasons where he had more catches than all, like half the teams in the league. So uh, just unbelievable player ahead of his time. Uh but to me, he beats out Reggie White by a hair. I mean, it's very, very close for what Reggie did for the city of Green Bay, for the NFL and for the NFL players just being that first big ticket free agent. So, uh, you know, Reggie, this is God. You got to sign with Green Bay. That, <laughs> <laughs> love that quote. I just do. You know, a number that has not been retired by the Packers. Number five, Paul Horning. It's not been retired. Not official. Isn't that- isn't that odd? I mean, it's unofficially retired, but isn't that odd? Well, I remember Don Mikowski wore it his rookie season in Green Bay. So it was it was unofficially retired, but it wasn't retired. And then, you know, Magic switched from five to seven uh, after his first season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the amazing thing about Horning, you look at his numbers and they don't jump out at you the way you expect them to. But then you sort of start peeling away at some of the other numbers and he definitely belonged in the hall of fame. Uh, and he was larger than life as far as being a personality was concerned. I, I mean, I, I think they should officially retire the number, but you don't want to get into a situation where you're like the New York Yankees, where it's like pretty soon they're gonna <laughs> have to have players with like eight and a half. Cause every number from, you know, zero to, to 10 is retired. And so many other numbers are being retired by the Yankees. So you got to keep that number pretty small, especially now with practice squad and uh, yeah. expanding rosters. You got to have enough numbers to go around. So it's, it's a balancing well, act. We're starting to get into territory too of unretiring numbers. The Cardinals unretired Marshall Goldberg's uh, 99 yeah. when they signed JJ Watt, or, or I, I guess they're rumored that they are doing that. I think, I think um, his grandson gave permission for JJ to wear the number if I'm not mistaken, but yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's strange to me. I, you know, it's not, it's not my business. I'm not a Cardinals fan, but it, it doesn't sit great with me that you're unretiring a number. Like what, what what's the point of, uh, of, of doing that? And you know, is, I, is, is the guy no longer, is he, is it just too far in the past that he doesn't, you know, matter anymore? 
You know what it is? I, I think the bottom line is that there are probably very few people around who ever saw him play anymore. And, you know, that changes it, uh, you know, for fans when there's nobody who remembers the guy. Uh, it becomes part of the franchise lore, but it's not quite the same as, oh, yeah, I saw him play. My father saw him play. Uh, that kind of a thing. But I, I don't like the idea of unretiring numbers. I understand it, but it's not, uh, you know, not my thing. All right. Well, let's talk about some players that we get to see play this year. We're going to go through the Packers roster and we're going to give five players that we believe need to take their game to the next level. They need to step up in order to for the Packers to have success this year. And before we give some names, I think we need to talk a little bit about what stepping up would look like, because I think different players stepping up would look different. Mm -hmm. For example, let's say that your guy that you wanted to step up was Jair Alexander. Well, Jair is already at an elite level. If he steps up, you're talking, you know, best of all time level. You're talking Richard Sherman or better. Right. Compared to maybe a, a practice squad guy that we need to become a, a rotational player or maybe a starter. Yeah, it, it definitely is different depending on where the guy is coming from. But uh, uh, to me, I'm going to tailor this more to what the team needs. Uh, areas that the team needs a guy to step up because, you know, the, this area needs reinforcement or improvement. And there's a player on the roster with the potential to to help that happen if he takes his game to a different level. So I think probably most of our players are, are really going to come from areas of the team that we are concerned about. But there's there is another option here, and that is somebody that you got to determine, is it about time to move on from this guy or can they be the answer? Mm -hmm. One of my players I'm going to use here is EQ. Right. EQ has been hurt for so much of his career and he has missed so much time. We don't know what we have in him. 2020 was the first time in a long time that we had even seen him on the field. And to be honest, I mean, it was usually pretty disappointing what you saw out of him, mm -hmm. but you had no idea looking at him. Okay. Is, is this disappointing because we, because he should be capable of more than this and he just is rusty because he hasn't played in, you know, two years basically, or is this just who he is? And this whole time we have been thinking and hoping that he's more special than this, but he really is just a fifth round wide receiver. Right. Or yep. sixth round. I'm not sure. The, these are all, Definitely, that's another way to look at it, and it's definitely a legitimate question. So I I think one of the guys that, for me, would be the most important would be Jace Sternberger. Mm -hmm. Look, we're probably losing Mercedes Lewis, certainly next year, if not this year. If Jace had been able to be healthy for his first two years and play like a third-round tight end, I think this is a much easier question to answer because you got Robert Tunyon, you got Josiah DeGuara, who you really like, you got some uh, you know, more, more depth kind of guys, Dominique Daphne, John Lovett. At that point, it becomes pretty easy to say, hey, Mercedes, we really appreciate what you've done, but we need to move on to our younger guys and let them take over. Right. I don't know that you can trust Jace right now to be a number two or even a number three. Yeah, and the big question with 
that is you're trying to replace the blocking of Mercedes Lewis, and that's not necessarily the strong point of Jay Sternberger. And that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not just the position, it's the role within the position that you have to consider. All right, go ahead. I, I want to I get a player or two from you. Uh, I'm going to start with A.J. Dillon, uh, especially considering that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are free agents. They may not be back. Uh, to me, A.J. Dillon has got to step up. Now, we saw him be the feature back for that one game against Tennessee, and he was great in that game. But there's a big difference between having a big game and doing it week in and week out for a full season. So to me, uh, A.J. Dillon has got to be near the top of the list for players that need to step up for the Packers in 2021. Now, this is an interesting one because he would fall, obviously, in a different category. Uh, You know, we're looking at Jace and EQ and we're saying, okay, we're giving you the benefit of the doubt and and saying we think you can be more than what you are, but you've sucked up until now. (laughs) A.J. Dillon is kind of the opposite. It's okay. We have seen some flashes. Uh, You haven't earned um, starting snaps for you know, your, your first rookie year for the most part, because you were behind uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, who were in the final year of their, of their deal. We wanted to get our money's worth out of them. And, you know, they, they know our scheme better with AJ. You are saying it's time for you to give us confidence that you can, you can carry the offense. Yep. That, that you are who we, we think you are. And he's going to have to show that in, in training camp in, in, uh, uh, the preseason here so that they know that they don't have to go get somebody else and who who can start ahead of him. Right. That, that he's the guy who can get, you know, 55, 60% of the carries. If he can fill the, the role that Aaron Jones had as the lead back, but not you know, the, the, uh, the, the workhorse back, but he's going to get most of the carries two thirds of the series. He's going to be out there on the field guy you can rely on to run, pass block, catch a few passes out of the backfield when called upon. All of that is what we need to see from Dylan next year. And and again, he has to prove he can do it at the NFL level. All right, I got another guy. This is a guy who is solidly just on his very last chance with the Packers. Uh, we are bringing in a new defensive coordinator who's bringing in a new scheme that should benefit this player a lot not saying that I have confidence that he can be a starter for us, but he should already be good enough to be a starter for us. He has disappointed ever since he got here and this new defensive scheme. If, if anything is ever going to help him, it's going to be the new scheme. Do you know who I'm talking about? Josh Jackson, Josh Jackson. It is second round cornerback. Absolutely has not lived up to where he was drafted. Josh Jackson for, for how highly he was drafted, he has been quite probably the worst pick of Gutekunst's three drafts. Just be, I mean, where he was drafted, the premium position as well, for what we've gotten out of him, it's been next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Kevin King is a free agent. He's probably not coming back. We need a cornerback behind Jair Alexander, and we don't have one because Josh Jackson can't even get on the field. No, it it would. This is like you said, his last chance. He needs to step up. We're going to play a lot more. uh, Well, we're going to play a lot of zone 
under this system. And I think that that gives him a chance to take on a bigger role, but uh, he's got to do it. He's got to get it done. If he can't do it, because let's face it, the the Packers are going to get another cornerback this offseason. They're not going to roll into the season with just Jair and Josh Jackson and the other corners that they retain. If Josh Jackson can't step up, next man up is Kadar Holman, who was definitely drafted a lot later. I would say you don't reasonably have the same expectations that you had of Josh Jackson just because of where Kadar was drafted. He is the next guy up. Josh Jackson and Kadar Holman, I, I would say, are, are 3A and 3B, and we need at least one of them to step up. I, I would love to see Kadar Holman get the job done. I like his potential. He's a physical uh, kind of a cornerback. Doesn't have great speed, but I think, again, in his zone first uh, defense, he might be able to be a very steady contributor, and I like his potential. I'll say that much. Uh, all right. It's your turn to, to give another name. Uh, I'm going with Rashawn Gary. I I think that it's time for him. You know, his rookie year, he didn't play a lot, showed some flashes last year. I think he got, he took a big step forward, but you know, if you're going to be a first round pick, what was he? 13th overall, 12th overall. Yeah. Uh, you got to take it to another level altogether. I think he starts this year and I think it's time for him to start getting, at or close to those double-digit sack totals that you want to see from a former first-round pick. Yeah, that's true. Rashawn Gary clearly has the assets at his disposal to be one of the premium edge rushers in the league. You know, he the, the Packers are clearly very seriously considering retaining Preston Smith. We talked about this last week. And I think that if Rashawn had played at a higher level these past two years— and had given them more confidence, I don't think that they would be thinking about that. You know, Rashawn couldn't beat out Preston Smith for uh, snaps in, in 2020. He was still buried behind Preston on the depth chart. When he was on the field, I would say he played at a higher level a lot of the time than Zedarius did. I think Rashawn probably has more physical gifts than Zedarius does. Yes. Zedarius just does more with what he has than Rashawn does. And it's time, like you said. And again, I don't think that this is necessarily one of those situations where you look at Rashawn and say, you suck. You need to get, you know, become a good player. It's all right. You've shown us the floor of what you can be. And it's, it's a very high floor. Now it's time for us to see your ceiling. Because if you can do that, this defense gets transformed. It goes to the next level and becomes a very scary defense. Because Rashawn Gary can be Everson or um, uh, Daniil Hunter. That's who he can be. Yeah, if he puts it all together. And, you know, the thing about it is you look at the numbers from Rashawn Gary last year, and they don't leap out at you. Yeah, he definitely took a jump forward. But how many of his pressures, and I know we talked about this a lot during the course of the season, very often he would get penetration, put pressure on a quarterback, and one of his teammates would get a sack or or an interception or an interception. Right. So it wasn't necessarily that he had so many sacks that you're like, oh, my God, this guy's unbelievable. But a lot of the pressures and the quarterback hits and the uh, the penetration that he got helped his teammates make big plays. And, you know, you need a guy like that. But I think, again, he is capable of doing that and getting 10 sacks in a season. And realistically, I think by the end of the year, if not by the beginning of this year, if he's healthy, 
we should see him as the starting edge rusher opposite Zadarius Smith. All right. So uh, do you remember how many names you've thrown out so far? Two, I believe. Two. All right. Let's get another one for you because I'm I'm almost at uh, my limit here. <laughs> okay. Almost at your limit. Uh, <laughs> well, my, I mean, because uh, we're trying to do five names a piece. Oh, five a piece. Okay. Uh, I got to go with MVS. So much talent. So much speed. You can't coach speed, but it's hard to defend speed. But oh, his inconsistencies drive you nuts. And if MVS ever became, uh, you know, cut the drops down to one uh, every couple of games as opposed to one or two every game and had a higher catch percentage than 52, 53 percent, if he would even get it up to 65 percent catch percentage uh, and maybe three or four drops for the season, you're talking about a guy who has the potential to be a really, really dangerous weapon for this team, even if he is the third or fourth receiver on the depth chart. So uh, I would love to see MVS just get a little more consistent and break out and 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 become the guy that would be his ceiling because he has so much talent. And unfortunately, it feels like we've been saying that every year for three years now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look, he took a big step forward last year. Uh, definitely did more than he did in his first two seasons. But to me still at this point on a, on a deep receiving core, he's a number three or four receiver. Uh, and he needs to be more consistent if he wants to become the WR two. Um, my last player here is going to be, and I, I, I thought about doing MBS, but I'm going to go with Jake Hansen because of how much it would help our offensive line if Jake Hansen can be our full-time starter. And, you know, so we drafted three interior offensive linemen. Well, three offensive linemen at any rate last year in the sixth round. And of the three, it felt at the time like Jake Hansen was intended to be a center. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He was a very good center in college. Jake had a pretty bad uh, training camp, uh, struggled a lot, which was disappointing. And, you know, look, at, in the sixth round, you're, you know, you're grabbing lotto tickets here and you're hoping that you're going to hit on some of them. Jake being a our full time center gives us so many more options because now you can go back to the question of do you keep Elton at left guard or do you maybe make him a tackle? Center is just it's it's a little bit of an easier position to play, I think. You know, it's 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 easier to find a center or a guard than it is to find a tackle. And look, we have some serious issues here at tackle with big questions about when Bakhtiari can return to the team. Right. Because it sounds like he probably will not be ready week one. So you got Billy Turner, Elton Jenkins, maybe John Runyon. Yash Nijman, these are your options here. Being able to throw Elton and and Billy Turner into the mix there um, because you're not as worried about the interior, that I think allows us the option the to stay at the level uh, on offensive line that we have been for the last couple of years, which is you know pretty much best in the league. Yeah, it would it would be a, a big asset to the team and. 
at the end of the day, you you say we drafted three rookies in the sixth and seventh round for the interior offensive line. We need one of them to step up and and become uh, hopefully a starter, at least for the first half of the season, to allow us that versatility to cover up until Bakhtiari is ready. And that may not be until mid to late October. Yep. Yep. All right. Give us another name. Another name. I'm going to go with Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin. I, I'm going to go with both of them as one sort of unit. We need some help at inside linebacker. We have for God knows how long. And <laughs> uh, I, I think that, you know, those are the two young guys. One was drafted. One was a uh, undrafted free agent. But we need one of them to step up and sort of take command of that position. I think both of them are capable. I think Martin has more physical gifts, more upside if he realizes his potential, but uh, we need one of them to step up. No, no doubt about that. All right. Do you, do you want to do a fifth or do you want to want to stick at the number you have? right? I'm going to stick at the number I have now because I just gave you two kind of, so that those are four and five. All right. Well, all right. We have, we have four each then at least. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we've covered the bases. This, this gives a, a good, reminder kind of of where we are at on the roster because it's you know it's the off season is still young but it's been long enough since we've seen a football game and we have lost some guys we're going to continue losing some guys over the next week here as the Packers try and get under the salary cap it it sets up really well our debate topic for this week which is what is the number one priority here for the Packers to tackle first When it comes to free agency, I'm going to go and take cornerback because I think although they certainly have several needs, if they act early, they can grab a higher talent at corner. I think looking at other positions on the roster that you could maybe wait a little bit and pick up more of a typical, you know, Packers pickup like, okay, you need a linebacker. Well, here's Christian Kirksey. You need some help at uh, offensive line. Here's Rick Wagner. I kind of don't really want to do that at cornerback. I think you can do that at some of our other positions of need. With corner, corner is just, it's you know it's just such a, such a premium position. And yes, we're switching to more of this zone coverage defense. You got Jair Alexander, arguably the best corner in the league, certainly a top three talent. But behind Jair, you have nothing. We say that a lot of the time about wide receiver, but it is so much more true about corner. I I, I feel much more confident in our second, third, and fourth wide receivers than I do in just our number two cornerback. And looking at how, you know, what the Packers defense, defensive identity is, Joe Barry is probably going to focus more on improving our run defense. That's going to be a really nice change, but it all starts with being able to protect the deep field. I don't think you can do that with just our safeties and Jair. You need to have another cornerback that you can put out there. If for no other reason than just there are teams out there with more than one elite wide receiver, and we go up against them all the time, especially a team that we face twice a year. Minnesota has two of the best. They have probably two top five wide receivers right now. So certainly top 10. I just don't see how you go about beating a team like Minnesota if you only have one cornerback. I think those are good points, but I have to go with offensive tackle. We know Bakhtiari is out for probably at least September, maybe even all of October. Uh, again, we don't know. These knee injuries differ. and and But let, let's say we're going to be without him to start the season. 
uh, we've already said goodbye to Rick Wagner to start shuffling our offensive line all over the place and not have a reliable swing tackle on the roster scares me. There is no player on this team more valuable than Aaron Rodgers. And the one thing that the Buccaneers did very well in both games against the Packers last year was get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And it, it in the regular season game, it really destroyed the offense after the first couple of drives. And in the playoff game, it slowed down the offense enough that we ended up losing the football game. So you need, if something happens to Rodgers, the outlook for this team goes from Super Bowl contender to also ran in the blink of an eye, unless Jordan Love is suddenly ready or if Tim Boyle or whoever else would be the backup suddenly shows us something that we haven't seen before. And even them, you know, no quarterback does well while sitting on their rear end. So to me, you got to protect Rodgers. You got to open holes for A.J. Dillon or whoever else is running the football and offensive line. Your best offensive lineman from last year is hurt. Your second best offensive lineman, or let's say this, they had three pro bowlers and you're going to lose two of them to start the season next year. You've got to address offensive tackle and either sign someone who can start at right tackle or be a reliable swing tackle like a Rick Wagner. To me, that has to be priority one, just based on the way this offense works and the importance of scoring a lot of points like they did in 2020, again in 2021. Those are good points for sure. My counter that to that would be, we believe that help is coming. David Bakhtiari is coming back eventually, hopefully within the first month to month and a half. And I don't think there is any help coming at cornerback unless they are putting a first round cornerback uh, rookie out on the field. Yeah, it's, it. these are tough decisions that have to be made. And uh, look, I, I know that the team is going to target players at both of those positions. It just becomes a question of which one is more, you know, is, is primary because those are two areas that this team needs to address before the start of the 2021 season. All righty. Well, fans, we want to hear from you. We're going to um, put uh, both of our answers in a poll on Twitter. Go to twitter.com uh, slash JJ Leahy or slash Gil Packers. Uh, we're both going to pin our poll. We want you to vote. Who has the better answer? Which is the first priority that the Packers should target in free agency? Should it be cornerback or offensive tackle? And uh, we're going to go ahead and report on last week when we debated whether or not we should bring back Preston Smith. And I'm going to be honest, I was, since I said that I want to move on from Preston, I was kind of hoping that at some point during the week, we would move on from <laughs> Preston and that I could just show up to this debate uh, today and say, look, come on. <laughs> Clearly I was right. <laughs> Preston is still a Packer. He's yeah. still a Packer. Well, we'll see. Maybe maybe they're going to try and trade him, but uh it is worth noting that on at the end of March, right around the end of March, Preston is due a 4.5 million dollar roster bonus. If he makes it that far and they pay out that roster bonus, he's playing for the Packers this year. There's no way they're going to waste that money and then get rid of him. But our poll results from last week 77% said, yes, it's time to cut bait and move on from Preston. Congratulations. <laughs> All right. So head on over to Twitter and uh, weigh in, and uh, we'll, we'll check back in next week and let you know who won. 
Alrighty, that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show. And thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not